If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to the very first book, the very first verse, Genesis chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible this morning, we would love to put one in your hands. If you'll just slip your hand up, we have some ushers that will bring you some Bibles this morning. And if you don't own a copy of God's Word and you would like to take that one home, that would be, would be our blessing to give that to you as our gift today. We are starting a series uh, that... Uh, we'll go for a couple weeks, but over the next several months, we are actually going to be walking through stories of the Old Testament. I'm very excited uh, because uh, many times people say, well, the Old Testament, that's, that's the old stuff. We want to hear the new stuff. I'm telling you, packed into the front side of your Bible are stories that will not only rock your world, but will build your faith and will teach you how to love and trust the God of all creation. And so uh, we're starting at the beginning today uh, in Genesis chapter 1, and we're talking about creation. Now, the tough thing about what we're going to do is that it's, it's impossible for us to, cr- to cover everything, okay? So if we miss your favorite story, then you just read it twice and you'll be good, okay? But today, uh, we're talking about creation. You just heard this morning read what God did in seven days. And uh, we're not going to be able, for, for time's sake this morning, to cover every detail of that. Uh, but we're going to take a, just a quick look, actually, at the beginning of that passage. So if your question is, is there a literal seven days, we're really not going to dive real deep into that. If you want to know, did God really create dinosaurs, we're really not going to answer that question. If you have any hard questions to ask, then you can ask Jeffrey or Jason once this is over, and they'll be glad to spend hours of time with you talking theological discussions and probably would do a better job than me anyway. I want to look this morning in Genesis chapter 1 and actually just want to sit down uh, and park in just a few words. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, one of the most greatly contested truths of the Bible with modern day scholars occurs in verse 1. I believe that God put creation in the beginning not, because, not only because of its chronological place in time, but my personal belief is that if you don't understand, comprehend, and believe and embrace verse 1, then the rest of what is in God's Word is going to be in question in your heart. Because if you don't believe that God created the heavens and the earth, if you don't believe that he is the one in charge, that he is God and you are not, then you're going to have some serious problems with what follows Genesis 1.1. So this morning, I want us to take some time and look and, and dive into these first few verses in Genesis chapter 1. In, in verse 1, it says, in the beginning. Now, what goofs us up, what messes us up, is the fact that we uh, have a human perspective of time. And if, it, if you really want to blow your mind, what you need to uh, try to wrap your brain around is the fact that, that God's time is not like your time and like my time. I, I, I live in a world where babies are born and people die. So birth happens and death happens. And so my frame of time is a human perspective. 
God doesn't have a human perspective. He was here before the beginning. He, he is infinite. He always has been. And I don't know if you comprehend that very easily, but my brain hurts when I try to figure out God's always been here. Even before the world was created, even before the universe was created, God has always been here. He'll always be here. And he always was. Well, that just in my human brain makes, makes my head hurt because I don't understand it, but I believe it because the word says that it was true. Secular understanding of how creation came into being is a complex orchestration of events. It is, it is a, a series of explosions and collisions and evolutions. And I heard a very smart man say one time, it takes more faith to believe in the Big Bang and evolution than it does to believe that God created the heavens and the earth. Because for all of this to come into being, for all of this to happen like it is, would have taken the biggest, incredible series of events happening all at just the right time with just the right scientific equations being in place for it all to come as it is today. You see, what God did in seven days, and just a, just a little side note, I do believe in a literal seven-day uh, creation, and here's why. God doesn't need any more time. It says, if you read this passage, it says he spoke it and it came into existence, so why would God need a longer period of time, okay? That's just my personal belief. You can take it or leave it. But God created in seven days what man could not have done in 10 billion years, God spoke it into existence, the heavens, the earth, animals, mountains, intricate ecosystems, complex food chains, body designs of a human, and just as complex a design for the gnat that you swat on your arm. You see, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't by chance. It wasn't two meteors uh, colliding and putting us all in the right place. God, verse 1, created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. You see, I, I believe if you can't take those first four words, then your faith is in question. In the beginning, God. He is God and I am not. Would you say that with me? He is God and I am not. You see, if we can't wrap our heart around that, and understand that He is God and everything else is secondary. This just doesn't fit our ego, right? I mean, if you really understand that, it means that God didn't need us. God didn't sit around one day and go, you know what? I just need some people to be around me. God doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He didn't need the earth. He didn't need a globe full of people. He wanted us. He desired us. God didn't need the earth. He didn't need the Milky Way. But what happens is that God created the heavens and the earth, and so he created a galaxy. He created a universe that screams out the majesty of an amazing and powerful and almighty God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's amazing to me, and I, I'm definitely not a scientist, I'm not even an amateur uh, uh, astrologist, I, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand everything, I, don't, I couldn't tell you where all the stars are. I love looking at, at living in South Dakota because the, the air is so clear and pure here that you can see the stars at night, and when the moon shines on the snow, it's just an amazing thing. 
But you've got to understand that everything is in its perfect place. Scientists tell us that if the earth was tilted just a little bit more, or just a little bit outside of our rotation, or just a little bit in, that we, we would either freeze to death or burn up. Now, I don't know about you, but there's nothing I do accidentally that ends up in perfect place, right? It's not an accident. God designed it that way. We're at just the right angle. We have just the right rotation, 365 and a quarter days or whatever it is. I mean, God set it in place. He set the rotation of the earth, the seasons that come, the tides. It's all perfect. If all that happened by accident, in my opinion, that was one heck of an explosion, right? I mean, God set it in place. The stars. I read some some uh, information that says just in our neighborhood, the Milky Way galaxy, if we just began to count the stars that are just in our galaxy, that if you counted one per second, that it would take you over 2,000 years to count the stars just in our little neighborhood. And we're just a spot in this humongous, amazing universe that we haven't even found the end of yet. Why? Because God created a place that fit the size of his majesty. Verse 1 says, in the beginning God created, and that word in the Hebrew is bara, which is the word to mean created from nothing. You see, God didn't take a bunch of stuff and put it together and create us. What God did is he, chapter 1 says that he spoke it. He created it from nothing. There is a term, creation, uh, creato ex nihilo. That's really bad pronunciation, but creation from nothing. That God spoke it into existence. One writer said this, God not only painted the great, greatest work of art in our earth, our galaxy and beyond, but he also created the paint and the canvas that he painted it on. You see, God created it all. He, he, he brought it into existence. He spoke it into existence. Then in verse 2, it says that, that he created it. with a, The earth was without form and without vo- void. The Hebrew is tobu wabohu. Really, really weird. That sounds weird. But what it means is that when God created it, It wasn't like everything had its perfect place until God spoke it into existence. God spoke our earth. He created this earth from scratch. The blue waters of the Pacific, the Andes Mountains, the Amazon River, the Niagara Falls, the Black Hills of South Dakota. God spoke into existence. And I don't know what your opinion is, but I think he did an amazing, incredible job. He spoke it. Created from nothing. Then in verse 3, it says that he said, let there be light. I heard one, one author say, he said, if you want to believe in the Big Bang Theory, believe it. When God said, let there be light, there was a bang. 186,000 miles per second, light left the, the words of God and became light. It, 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 it's just an incredible thing that God did. He spoke and light was there. The light 
in the darkness. In the middle of chapter 1, there is the, the idea of, or, or the, the description of how God spoke it. Each day, He created a different thing. He separated the light from the dark. He, he created the water. He created the heavens. He created the land. He created the ve- vegetations. He put the seasons in place. He, he named the sun and the moon and each of the stars. And at the pinnacle of all creation came when God created man and woman. And what's interesting to me is that out of all that God created, out of everything that He did or could have done, God created us. And it says that He created us, Imago Dei, in His image. You know what that means? You look like your dad. In a world where we're surrounded by people who think that nobody cares about them, you need to know that God created you in His image and that He's proud of you. That if there was a place in heaven to show off the pictures of His kids, He would show your face. Why did He do that? Because throughout Scripture, from Genesis 1 to Revelations, there is a picture of God's love for you. You see, as much as you look like your earthly parents, and I don't know about you, but I used to think, I don't want to be like my dad. Christmas time, I was sitting at the table with my dad, and I'm thinking, I'm starting to act like my dad. It scares me, because I, I, my dad's a pretty unique guy. <laughs> I love him with all my heart, but man, is he weird. I, I, I just, and, and I sat there, and it scared me. I had that little shock moment of going, I'm becoming like my father. Well, you know what your goal in life is? To become like your father. You see, everything in creation, because as amazing as it is, and I I encourage you to study science. I I encourage you to, because science is not evil. A lot of people in the church say, oh, you know, science is evil. Science is not evil. Science is man trying to understand what God did, (laughs) And a lot of them go, they just don't want to believe that there was a a, a creator. They don't want to believe that there is an an intelligent form that put all this together. But it's man's grasp at trying to understand what God created here. Here's what I want you to know, though. God created you in his image so that you could learn to be like him. Because you were, imago Dei, made in his image. God spoke it, and it came into existence. Zebras, alligators, oceans, oak trees, plains, mountains, hills, rivers, valleys. God spoke it all into existence. You see, throughout chapter 1, you see God said, and then it happened. It wasn't an explosion. It wasn't an accident. God spoke and the heavens came into existence. The stars in their place. The seas to be separated by the land. The plants, the animals. And you and me. God created. Because he is the creator. You remember a few months ago we had this phrase. God is the God of all creation and he does whatever he pleases. What God created here made him happy because at the end he said it was what 
good. Anything that you find on this earth that is not good, it's because we've had our hand in it, not because God's creation was imperfect. God made it just like he wanted it. It says in verse 1, in the beginning, God created from nothing the, the heavens and the earth. Martin Luther said, everything that is was created by God. Listen to the words of Isaiah because what, what we should see is the majesty of God. And I love how Isaiah put this in Isaiah 40 because he brings our attention back to who God is and who we are not. Listen to this. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Behold, the nations are like a drop of the bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. And behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing in emptiness. To whom then will you liken God or what likeness compare with him? An idol, a craftsman casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and cast it for silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will rot. He seeks out a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. He ends the chapter by saying this, do you not know? Have you not heard? Have you not been told from the very beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits on the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him says the Holy One God of all creation. You know what amazes me is that with all that God's got going on and, and in my brain, he's got a lot going on, right? The whole earth spinning on its axis, enough oxygen for us all to breathe, you know, keeping everything in its perfect balance and not getting out of whack. God knows my name. He knows my heart. He knows my hurt. And when I look at creation, I see the thumbprint, the design, the majesty of amazing God. When I, when I think of the universe that we live in, I see its vastness and I, vastness and I begin to understand the majesty and the, the awesomeness and the greatness of our God. And then I realize that as much as he has going on, that he still loved me. You see, what I want you this morning to hear is the testimony of God's creation. Because what the Bible says is this, that the moment that we stop praising God, Luke says that the rocks will cry out. So if you come here on Sunday morning and we are silent, I believe that the concrete beneath you will begin to scream of the praises of God. That the walls will begin to reverberate of the holiness of an amazing God. That the hills will begin to sing. Why? Because this place was created to show the glory and the majesty of who God is. Creation is an amazing thing. Please do not overlook what God has done for you. The canvas that he has painted with his own hand. When I look at a 
newborn baby, I see the hand of God. When I see someone about to leave this earth and meet their maker, I see the hand of God. When I see a young person alive and full of energy, I see the hand of God. When I see a family seeking to live their life for the glory of God, I see the hand of God. What God wants us to hear is the praise that He deserves. We live in a universe that speaks to the majesty and the size of who God is. Not a little God that we are comfortable with, but one that is massive, that it's hard for us to comprehend. You see, the world says that God is not real. The world says that God did not create it, that this was all a, a happenstance of science. The, uh, the explosions, the, the, it just all happened to, to be like this. Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, because I think it leaves us without excuse. It says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made. So they are without excuse. You know what that means? There is a picture of grace all around us. There is a picture of God's love in every place that we look. There is nowhere that you can look on this earth that you cannot see the hand of a mighty God. Louis Giglio said this, and I love this. He says, long before you decided what you were going to do with God, God decided what he was going to do with you. Not to give you what you deserved, not the punishment for your sins, not to have to pay the price for all the evil that you have done wrong, but to give, Je give you Jesus and to give Jesus what you deserved because Jesus paid the price for your sin on the cross. Here's what I want you to hear today. Not only does creation scream out and, and make us desire to praise a holy God, but it screams out grace. See, God designed this place for us. He designed it for us to enjoy. He, he, he designed it for us to live in, to, to see the amazing things that he has done. But more than anything else, he designed this so that we might see his majesty and understand his love and that we might embrace the grace that God has given for you and for me. Here's what I want you to understand. From the beginning of time, God was planning for you. He created you in his image. He made you like him. You, you are designed to be like your father. And some 2,000 years ago, he sent his son to die on a cross for your sins. Not because Jesus was guilty. The only perfect man that's ever lived on this earth is Jesus. But he paid the, paid the price for your sins and for mine. Why? Because although we should praise him with our life, God loved us in spite of what we have done. And now we have the opportunity to embrace that love, to embrace that grace, to embrace that opportunity and that privilege to praise. 
and to stand before a holy God and say, God, it's not because of what I have done, but what you have done for me. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I enjoy your creation, but I see your hand, and I want your salvation. Today, if you've never asked Christ into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior, here's what I want you to understand. There is no greater love than what God has for you. And if you've never asked him into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior, this day, God gives you the opportunity to accept his grace, to accept his love. Here's the great thing. We have a saying in our church that no perfect people are allowed here because we don't believe that they exist. So if you say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the things in my heart. You don't know the sins that I've committed, the thoughts that I've thought, the actions that I've... You know what? God knows, and in spite of that, He still loves you. That's grace. If you're here today, and you need that grace, God wants you to have it. In just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to have the boldness in your heart not to wait one more minute, not to wait one more day, but to give your heart to Jesus. If you want to do that, Listen, God doesn't care about your past. He cares about your future. And he wants you to be one of his children. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if that's you and you need Jesus in your heart and you understand that God created you for him and you want to accept that gift of salvation that he offers to you today, then you can have it right now. You don't have to pray it out loud, just silently in your seat. If you want to ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior right now, you can pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for creating me. Thank you for making me in your image. God, I've made some mistakes in my life. I've done some things that were wrong, and today I repent I ask your forgiveness. I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. God, I'm not perfect, but I give you all that I am and ask you to change me, to transform my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you were buried, and on the third day you rose again. And today I choose to begin a journey following you. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer and asked Jesus into your heart and you meant it and it was more than just words that you prayed, the Bible says that the heavens are rocking because of your decision to follow Christ. That there is a party, there is a celebration because you have embraced grace today. And as a church, we want to walk with you. In fact, just look, at me, look up at me for just a minute. Everybody, look up at me. If you prayed and asked Jesus into your heart today, let me tell you, that's the greatest decision you will ever make. And now you get to begin a journey of praising in a new way, of praising with your heart, praising with embracing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That takes on new meaning for your heart because now you know the God that created the earth. And when you look at the mountains and when you look at the valleys and when you look at the beauty of God's creation, you now know that God because he lives in your heart. 
As a church, we want to walk with you in this new journey of following Jesus. And so I'm going to encourage you to be bold today and to tell somebody on your, in the envelope that's in your seat, there's a place for you to check. I'd like more information about becoming a Christian. We want to walk with you as you begin your new walk with Christ. Maybe you are a believer, but you've taken for granted your relationship with God. You've put it to the side. God's not number one anymore. He may not even be in the top 10. Today's your day to give your heart back to Jesus and say, I'm, I'm, I'm starting over. I, I'm doing it again. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'll go to heaven when I die. But today, I need a new start. I need a fresh start. And so, God, I come back to you, as David said, give me a clean heart. Help me to walk with you. If that's you today, I want to pray for you guys. Because what we need is a church filled with people who exude the praises of a God, not just on Sunday morning when everybody else is doing it, but on Tuesday and on Saturday night and in your job and in your home. We want to be that kind of church. We want to be that kind of God's people. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, with all our heart, we praise you. With, with all of our energy, with all of our might, we, we lift our arms, we lift our hearts, we lift our eyes to heaven. And Lord, we say you are the creator. You made it all. Your stars are amazing. The, the earth that you created that we stand on, that we live in is a, 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 just an incredible testimony of your greatness. And Lord, we recognize that. Father, I pray for those this morning who have given their heart to Jesus today. Lord, I pray that you would give them courage not to keep that hidden inside, but to be bold with the boldness that comes from you and to tell somebody today of their decision to follow Christ. Lord, for those of us who know Christ and maybe today need that fresh start, need forgiveness of our sins. First John 1 9 says that if we will confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so Father, I pray for those who need to pray for forgiveness, who need that fresh start today, who need that renewed walk with you. Lord, would you give them the peace of knowing that you never left? And that you're ready to walk with them no matter what is ahead. Lord, we just praise you. Thank you that we get to communicate with you freely today. And that, Father, we don't have to come to church to talk to you. We can talk to you in the middle of our week, in the middle of our work, in the middle of our family time. So, Father, I pray that you would build into this group, this body of believers today, a passion and a heart for loving and serving you. God, we praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.